Welcome back. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's the 15th day already of September. You know what that means, right? Tomorrow, DSC de Septiembre. My goodness. It also means Canelo is coming up around the corner against Triple G this Saturday night. By the way, there's two ways to watch this fight. You can either spend almost $100 on pay-per-view or... You can get it for nothing with rabbit ears watching it on TV Azteca or one of the stations out of Mexico. And believe me when I tell you now, thanks to uh, technology, you know, in the old days you would get every big fight an hour delayed. Not anymore. The fight will start exactly when it starts on the uh, regular pay-per-view in Mexico, and there is no delay. So it just depends, you know? Rabbit ears for free in Espanol or shell out the cash and watch it on, was it uh, the the zone? Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. It's on the zone this weekend. That's exactly right. Well, the zone's not paying us to promote it. So the hell with it. I say, go, go spend uh, no money. Go spend 10 bucks. Go get yourself that HD antenna and go enjoy yourself Saturday night and go watch it in Spanish. That's what I'm going to do. That's definitely what I'm doing as well. Actually, it's way more entertaining hearing it on the the Mexican national broadcast. I love hearing it there and they love Canelo. So it's even better. So this is perfect for this. He says this September weekend. I can't wait Saturday night. That's going to be awesome. So I'm with you on that one. I mean, you know, I was just I was just in the store a couple of weeks ago looking at those HD antennas. You know, they started like 10 bucks. And They're then, cheap, man. And it lasts you forever. And you know what? Now you get all the channels. And if your satellite or your um or your cable ever get knocked out because of weather or whatever other things happen in outage, hey, you've got rabbit ears to take care of you now on your uh, local tier. So all sorts of good things. Good things going on this weekend. That's for sure. You got Chihuahuas keep winning in first place. They might end up winning the PCL East by uh, you know the next couple of weeks when it's all said and done. That's also an incredible story. Season ends in uh, less than two weeks, Adrian, and currently uh, they're at the top of the division right now. Yeah, they've won 11 of their last 13 games overall, won the first two games of their 12-game homestand, uh, and that's encouraging for El Paso, right, because they've got two homestand uh, series here in El Paso. They first have, uh, of course, Round Rock, who they're trying to beat right now. They had a great game yesterday in which Round Rock had a chance to win or even tie the game uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, and El Paso edged out that 3-2 victory. I mean, they've been amazing, all right? They've been amazing. And really, it helps when Oklahoma City is three out of their last ten and Round Rock now four out of their last ten. But the lead is now two games over OKC, three over Round Rock. Good for the Chihuahuas. Yeah, seriously. And they're getting a lot of production from their bullpen, their pitching. Uh, yesterday, you see their starter in Reese Kinnear, who had four shutout innings. And that's in his first game with the Chihuahuas since he was optioned by San Diego. So, uh, yeah, the El Paso Chihuahuas, despite no continuity whatsoever across their lineup, they are having a lot of success playing baseball. Man, I love it. I absolutely love it. So, uh, that's how we get started on the show. How about this? How about the fact that coming up in just a few short minutes, we are going to get a chance to meet two new UTEP track and field assistant coaches and their new director of ops. I'm excited about that because that's going to be happening here soon enough. 
Me too, Steve. The UTEP track team, always successful year in, year out, and now they're back with some three new coaches to get fans excited about the upcoming year, cross country and track. Uh, you know, They're getting ready as well on their end. So, yeah, this will be a lot of fun to talk with the three new members of UTEP track and field. Rosan Griffin's going to join us along with Bridget Owens and Christopher Zent, who is the director of ops. So, uh, nice. I'm excited about that. Looking forward to doing that coming up in about 15 minutes on the show. Then it, uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, you know him, you love him, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. He's going to check in with us at 5. 5 is alive when Lee Sterling shows up. And then following Lee, we go right to Jeff Erickson talking fantasy football. Get your fantasy football questions into us now via Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. And if you have the mobile app and you are listening to us on the mobile app, powered by First American Bank, new to El Paso but not to the area, First American Bank, local since 1903, you can chat with us on the app in real time during the show. And we can read those messages as well. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff in plan for you. A lot of good things happening. I'm excited about the game this weekend. Just wrote a story about it a little while ago, Adrian. And, you know, I wrote the same kind of story I've written before. That this game on Saturday could easily make or break the rest of the UTEP football season. They win their 2-2 two and two going into the big one against Boise. They got some momentum. They could get a crowd next Friday night, have a chance to avenge that loss. They lose. They come home reeling at 1-3. and three. They really would be in a, in a spot where they got to be Boise. Otherwise, they're 1-4. and four. And all of a sudden, a team that was 6-1 and one, uh, after the first seven games a year ago is now 1-4 and four this time around. So to me, this New Mexico game is a very, very big football game when you talk about the rest of the 2022 Utah football season. Yeah, with uh, the New Me- on the other side with the New Mexico Lobos, Steve, they are not trying to lose more games under head coach Danny Gonzalez. I mean, it's, it's kind of make or break time for their program and what he's what he's been doing over there with New Mexico. And they just came off a huge victory against Maine, albeit it's Maine, uh, and they did not look good at all last week against Boise State. I, I thought they their their uh, defense, you know, just could not contain the Broncos in the second half, and then offensively couldn't move the ball whatsoever. So I look at Danny Gonzalez. Is coming in at this one, 6-15. and 15. I expect this program to be fired up to try to beat the Miners, but if UTEP loses, if somehow New Mexico is able to win in Albuquerque, and I say somehow, and I should say if they win, because I think right now it's it's pretty even on both sides, mm-hmm. I, I'm worried for UTEP moving forward Me because I, I can't piece together the victories knowing that UTEP fell to both North Texas and New Mexico. I don't know if I could piece together the victories for this team moving forward uh, You know, and try to think of maybe more than five victories under their belt you're right because when we did our preseason analysis we both figured that north texas and new mexico were wins not losses to start off the uh the non-conference season or the or and really the early season because new north texas is a conference game so that counts but we really expected this team to potentially be at this point uh, after the five games Four and one if they could have upset Boise, or three and two if they lost to Boise. Nobody really pegged them to go uh, two and three or even one and four, uh, depending on the outcomes. 
I'm I'm expecting a huge game from Gavin Hardison, and I'm putting those expectations on him because of what happened last week, uh, last year against the Lobos. I mean, UTEP was down in a 13 nothing rut at halftime. They rally back at a half and they score 17 unanswered points. Their defense shuts out New Mexico, and UTEP ends up winning that game 20 to 13. But it's largely due to what Gavin Hardison did through the air, almost 300 through the air. He had a, a huge touchdown pass to Jacob Cowing in that game. So it's going to be how can Gavin Hardison connect with his other receivers in yep. this one knowing you know that they don't have cowing anymore it's Tyron Smith it's Ray Flores oh but by the way also this is a new New Mexico team offensively they've got a new quarterback new running back new wide receivers there's a lot of new faces on the offensive side of the ball for the Lobos they're only bringing back three starters from a season ago so when I look at that box score and the 20 to 13 win that the Miners had in the Sun Bowl last year and then I look at the current team that they're trotting out there in Albuquerque personnel wise especially on the offensive side it's a whole new team yeah, I'm only looking at um, Porter, their, their wide receiver, as somebody who uh, brings a lot of production to their offense. But beyond that, they rely heavily on their quarterback and Miles Kendrick, who really hasn't done much this season, Steven. In their run game, I think they're really missing the presence of Aaron Dumas, the rising mm-hmm. young freshman from last season who ended up transferring away from New Mexico. He's the America's High School graduate here from El Paso, and he ended up at Washington. Uh, that is somebody that New Mexico is missing big time. On the defensive side, they have another El Pasoan in Alec Marenko from Burgess High School. He's a standout stud, uh, but I don't know if this New Mexico team has enough depth to just compete in their own conference, let alone this upcoming game. I mean, let's put it this way, though. Okay, this is really interesting. The Miners average 81 rushing yards a game through three games. New Mexico gives up 85 rushing yards through the first two games. So, you know, we're talking about UTEP being able to run the ball. I don't know if they're suddenly going to be able to, to get over 100 yards uh, rushing. This, might, this could be another game where Gavin th- puts it in the air 40 times. It could be. And another thing with uh, New Mexico's defense, they are seventh. I repeat, seventh in the country in total defense. So when you factor in how they go, go up against the pass and how you factor in how they go up against the rush, that defense is their strong point. Now, if you look at UTEP's side of thing, uh, you'd probably say, hey, UTEP's defense is their strong point as well. So this one could be low scoring when it's all said and done. Uh, it could be a messy game on both ends. And Steve, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like last week for the Miners. It's, it's one in the final minutes between one of these squads. 100%. A hundred percent agree with you. All right. Oh, man. I'm excited. We got a lot uh, lot to cover on the show today. Hags will join us in two hours from the ballpark where the Chihuahuas just keep on, uh, keep on winning. Love that. Love how hot they are. I love Jared Sandberg, what he's been able to do this year as manager. Um, and, and by the way, they've already, they've already released their 10th season for next year. They, we already know now the dates for uh, next year, which is... Can you believe it's already been 10 years? I remember like it was yesterday being on the concourse with Mondo the Monster Medina for the opening night back in 2014 when the Chihuahuas came in for their first ever game at Southwest University Park. We were out there, concourse set up just by the elevators doing Sports Talk Live that night. What a milestone for the El Paso Chihuahuas getting to a chance to celebrate their 10th year anniversary next year. It feels like the past 10 years have flown by when it comes to the Chihuahuas. And I think that's a, cre- a testament to the the team out there with the, the Chihuahuas. They make everything feel brand new 
season after season when you get out there. It's a beautiful ballpark. Every time you go, you see something new, and, and that's something I can always appreciate with El Paso Chihuahuas. Oh, I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. So anyway, uh, their homestand goes through the weekend. Monday, OKC is traveling to town. They start the series next Tuesday. And by the way, these are the final two series for 2021, for 2022. This is it. After this, you're done till next year because the playoff games are going to be played in Vegas. They're going to Las Vegas here. Uh, potentially the, I believe it's the 29th of September and then, or the 30th of September and then the 2nd of October. So, I mean, it's a Friday, I, I believe, Adrian, it's a Friday-Sunday uh, potential playoff where you get a one-game winner-take-all for the PCL, and then two days later they play the International League champion uh, for the whole shebang to see who wins AAA baseball. So obviously this is better than what they did last year, which was by minor league baseball, the final stretch. It wasn't any kind of postseason action. But what do you think about this compared to playoffs? So one and done, winner-take-all. What do you think about this format right here? So let me say this, okay? They have to figure out a way to end the season relatively soon because you can't play playoff baseball all the way into October the way the big leagues do. You can't do that. So if if they had ended the season in early September like they used to, you could have played out more of the traditional, traditional baseball playoffs. But based on the fact that you're ending at the end of September like like the big leagues are and you're only having one game and in one game, I'm fine with it. I mean, I don't really consider these real playoff baseball, but at least you're finding a way to reward the teams that win a chance to try to win the whole thing in a one-off. Yeah, I, I like the fact that there's actually a trophy. It's not like, hey, everybody plays and everybody just is participating in minor league baseball. So the fact that they award winners, I'm all for because then you have something to play for. And I 100%. think that you see that with the El Paso Chihuahuas right now. When we come back, we're going to meet the UTEP track and field coaching staff for this upcoming season. Excited about that? Just like I'm excited about Charlie Wan, who has our first traffic update of the afternoon. Continue here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We're just about ready to meet uh, some of the newest members of the UTEP track and field and cross-country family. I'm always excited about that. Because we know that, and we say this all the time, folks, the best kept secret at that university is their track and field program. Always has been, always will be. And it shouldn't be a secret because all they do is win and have uh, Olympians and win national championships and go to uh, the NCAAs. I mean, that's what they do. It's one of the most successful athletic programs ever. And now we get the opportunity to meet uh, some of the newest members of the staff. And I am excited about that because, uh, you know, we have Bridget Owens, who is a new assistant coach for UTEP Track and Field. We've got Christopher Zent here as well. He is the director of operations. And in a little bit, I think uh, Rosan Griffin's going to be here with us as well. But first, let us uh, get those microphones close enough to our first two guests, so both uh, uh, Bridget, uh, as well as Christopher, uh, welcome aboard, everyone, and um, happy you're here in El Paso and with UTEP. How are you both doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. Excited to be here. Yeah, having a great time. Good. Uh, by the way, first off, uh, Christopher, let's start with you. I'm looking at your picture on the UTEP website, and you've grown your hair out since <laughs> then. You had you had short hair when that picture was taken. we got to do an updated shot, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. So it's been a... 
I just started growing it out, and that's kind of how it's been. Yeah. There you go. That, that works for me. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about you, especially for people that, uh, that haven't had a chance to, to, to meet you up until now. Well, um, I'm originally from Michigan, and, uh, you know, a number of years ago I got involved in the sport of track and field, and uh, I've kind of spent some time away from it after high school and college. Uh, I've done some engineering work, oh, cool. sales work, all that kind of stuff, and so I uh, jumped back into it and when I was a teacher and coaching, and, yeah, it's it's been kind of a fun fun little journey. So. It sounds like. Where'd you, go, where'd you run uh, track in college? So I ran very briefly at the University of Michigan. That's okay. a little bit over my head. <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, that's still you were at the, the whole experience at Michigan had to be something special too, right? It was, it was, yeah. Just as a student, as a as a briefly as an athlete, uh, we had some great times there. How did they find? How did you find UTEP, and how did they find you this time around? How how did it go? Well, um, you know, I had spent a couple years at New Mexico State and prior to taking a job at Ranger College in Texas about a year or so ago. And so I think that's kind of how that kind of connection had developed. So I like that. Um, How how many years were you in Cruces for? Uh, Two years. Okay, so you've been back in coaching and in this kind of operations, because I know now your official title is. Uh, director of track and field and cross country operations, mm-hmm. right? Which uh, is 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 it a nice way of saying that from a title and standpoint, you're not a coach, but you're doing a lot of the work that needs to be done. And if if you can do some coaching in the process, that's great. Yeah, I think that's exactly. I think that's perfectly accurate to kind of where I'm at, and and you know, just trying to help out and make sure that. You know, as a as a coach myself, and having done everything by myself last year at Ranger, you know, it's kind of I understand the importance of getting. You know, you want to spend the most time you can with the athletes, coaching them, making them better, doing you know planning, training, all that kind of stuff. But yet, you know, no one really gets into the sport thinking, "Hey, I run really want to do a lot of paperwork right. and, and all that kind of stuff." So, but if I know I can help out in that role and help the other coaches maximize their time with their student athletes, then that's the that's a great thing. So, Well, I'm excited because you're familiar with the area. Even though you're originally from Michigan, you, you know the Southwest, having spent time in Cruces. And, mm-hmm. again, you mentioned Ranger Junior College because we're familiar with that as mm-hmm. well. And uh, you, you now get to go into a position where uh, a year ago Alan Culpepper was in this same role. And Alan's an El Paso in and now lives out in Colorado and was very much involved through USA track and field and one of our favorite athletes. So uh, I like that. It's a good position, a good role. And obviously we're excited to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm excited. And it's kind of big shoes to follow. Obviously, Alan is well known in the sport and, and has done some great things. So, yeah. Very nice. Uh, Bridget, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, getting a chance to meet you for the first time. Yeah, so um, I've come from Western Michigan University. I was there for three years coaching uh, just women's sport, um, sprints, hurdles, and relays. And before that, I was at um, Cal State Northridge where I volunteered for three years, and I was kind of running professionally at the time. Um, I graduated from University of Florida. That's where I got my degree at, um, and I ran the short hurdles. Oh, very nice. And uh, at the University of Florida, did you get a chance to uh, compete in nationals and and really some of the – you mentioned running professionally. Tell me about some of the accomplishments you had out there uh, when you were in Florida. Yeah, when I was at Florida, I I actually had the school record for um, the indoor and outdoor hurdles up until this past year. Grace Starks kind of broke that um, this year, but – um, I, yeah, I was runner-up twice. Um, I went to nationals since I was a freshman, uh, kind of being an All-American in the sport. Um, really 
specializing in the short hurdles. Helped on a relays as mm-hmm. well, but yeah, I had some quite good success while I was at Florida. That's terrific. Bridget, I, I realize I'm looking at your bio that you won seven NCAA All-American titles. You are so humble <laughs> as a coach, uh, but Bridget, I want to know, uh, wh- how can you relate to some of these current athletes, these current players on the roster? Yeah, you know, I because I was them at one point, you know, grinding and really trying to make nationals, and my goal was always to win, and we had a meeting last week, and all of the athletes said their goals. Some of their goals were to win nationals, um, win conference as a team, go to um, you know Olympic trials and things like that. And I've done all of those things, so it's kind of similar in a sense. I know what it takes to get there, um, so I'm just trying to help these athletes do the same thing that I did. Did you get a chance to compete in the Olympics? No, I did not. Olympic trials um, when I was a sophomore in college and when I was outside of college in 2016. I don't so think people people don't realize Bridget how difficult it is, right? To to yeah. really have the opportunity to to represent uh whether it's US or, or their home country and, and try to get a chance to, to 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 not only make the Olympics but then try to try to medal in the Olympics. Yes, let me tell you. Um at the time when I was running hurdles when I was in college and, and professionally, it the 100 meter hurdles was the hardest event to to make a team in. So, I mean, we're coming from the top 12 Americans, they're like the top 12 in the world. So it was very hard and difficult to make a team. But just being in the final or being in that field, um, it was a good experience. And, and I enjoyed myself. Well, that's terrific. And and I said it earlier before you, the two of you came into the studio, and we're going to get a chance to meet the, the third member of, uh, of the new staff here in a little bit. Um, I've always felt that UTEP track and field especially is the most consistent yet underappreciated sport in the entire university because we always talk about football. We always talk about basketball, but the truth is, is that when you go to the campus and you look around and you see all those national championships and the Olympic medals and everybody that's come out of this track and field program, it is as star studded as you will find anywhere in the country. Yeah. I think UTEP overall in general have a lot of, um, it represents a lot of countries. Um, they recruit outside in Nigeria and Jamaica, the, the Bahamas, and in the state of Texas, all over. So it's like a collab of, of different countries, people representing them, and they do well. They go out and they represent their country. So it's very, very challenging to um, represent, you know, because there's a lot of great people. You when know? when you competed as uh, as an athlete in the SEC, did you find that a lot of uh, your best competition were athletes from outside of the U.S. that were also running at at all these uh, at all the rest of these uh, ACC programs? Yeah, I mean, and co- I mean, I've okay. So I don't know. If, so Toby, who what, who's yep. also at UTEP, she was a hurdler, and I competed against her when I was um, when I ran professionally when I when I was in school and stuff like that. So she's Nigerian. Yeah, she's just broke the world record. So she did. We definitely have some talent outside of the <laughs> the USA. It's pretty wild that you brought Toby up because you're right, and it just happened uh, a few months back when she was able to uh, you know win the world record, mm-hmm. and then uh, ha- she broke that record, but it, they called it win dated, so they wouldn't count it but yet she's still right now holding the world record uh, for what she's been able to do and Toby uh, just like Blessing and so many other track and field stars here at UTEP there's such a long lineage yeah. of of some incredible performers yeah I, I commend them lady commend the ladies that came um, out of UTEP and representing their country and just putting on for the athletes that's going to come after them very nice now is Toby still here or is she no longer in El Paso 
not sure, but I think that she's going to go with her old coach, uh, Coach Lucina, who just left here. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. okay. But I'm telling you, we're, we're fortunate to have her for many years. Absolutely. And, uh, but the great thing is there's going to be another Toby uh, Emerson that comes out, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get a chance to see her or see, uh, or see him very soon as they continue to make a name for themselves, right? Absolutely. That's what uh, me and Coach Rowe are here for. I love that. Well, we're going to talk to Coach Rowe in a second. Bottom of the hour as we continue here talking to members of the UTEP track and field coaching staff. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. So, so far we've met Christopher, we've met Bridget. Now we get a chance to meet the third member of the UTEP track and field and cross-country staff. Rosan Griffin is with us right now, sporting his brand-new UTEP 915 cap to go along with his sweet Nike UTEP uh, look. I mean... This is solid, Adrian. You know, these three all showed up dressing to impress today. They really did, Steve. They they came in. They, they're all wearing UTEP colors. They're all dressed up well. I, I love it, Steve. I love the fact that we get new track and field coaches with a lot of new swag that they get to sport off with us. Now, is it Coach Rowe? Is that the best uh, way to describe you? Yeah, that's the way I like to be addressed as Coach Rowe because my name is, is so long and complex and people chop it up, so... I just shortened it and just call me Coach Rowe. Everyone that knows me calls me Rowe, so it's just a simple transition. It's Rosan. It's not that difficult. Okay, I mean, but, come but, on. But, it's... but you're in the business to where you, you have to know how to pronounce things and people's names. And, That's true. And, you know, so. That's true. All right. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about yourself, Rowe. You uh, are from Texas, and you, you grew up, uh, I guess, uh, in Texas, but you also, uh, and, and you are born in Texas City. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Adrian, who was that great Utah football player from Texas uh, City? Yeah, yeah, it's it's off the tip of my tongue. Hold on just a second. I'm going to find this. We had a terrific Utah football player, and I should know this too because it, it wasn't that long ago oh, really? that, uh, yeah, he came from Texas City and was uh, was one of our better ones. And I'll, The name will come, and we will we will bring him up. But uh, okay. I'm happy. So how long did you grow up? Did you grow up in Texas City uh, pretty much your whole life before my, you went to college? My entire life, yes. I lived my entire life there. Very nice. And what was LSU like for you? Uh, it was different. You know, um, Texas and Louisiana are, are opposites. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit slower than where I came from, a little bit more rural per se. But uh, – a very big college party town, of course. That's true. Uh, That's but true. It, it was good for me. You know, I was one of those kids that was overlooked coming out of high school as far as track and field was concerned. So I had to go to junior college route first. Okay. Uh, and then I got noticed by coaches. And I was in a totally different event than what I ended up running in my collegiate and professional career. So that's, you know, kind of a strange thing to happen, but it does happen nowadays because you have uh, athletes that are, are great across, you know, many different disciplines. So I just happened at that time to be one of those kids. You and Bridget have a very similar uh, career arc when it comes to running and track and field, don't you? You're both, um, you know, U.S. champions. You were the indoor champion in 97 and 99. You ran in the World Games. You competed and did everything but... The Olympics sounds like we, we was something in common here. Tell yeah. me a little bit about what happened there. Well, I mean, I came out in a, in a very hot time in track and field. You know, Michael Johnson was, was the king of track and field. Uh, so those are the types of guys that I was up under. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was in a race when he unofficially broke the world record the first time at the Olympic trials. So to be faced with something like that after coming off an NCAA championship about a week prior, you're pretty much mentally and emotionally and physically spent as a, co- a collegiate athlete at the way things were structured at that time. So yeah. just to be there, I was happy. Uh, so, you know, great experiences during those times. Was that around the same time that Obadelli Thompson was running here at UTEP? Yes, well, that's strange that you say that because we have such a uh, 
intertwines relationship. Ober actually ended up being my training partner after leaving UTEP, but we were like arch nemesis in college, indoor, outdoor. Uh, when I won, he didn't run the 200. Uh, when he won, I was out of school a year already, and all of a sudden I'm calling him and like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm on my way to Austin. Oh, I'm on my way to Austin too. And so we ended up being training partners for the next four years in the <sighs> next Olympic cycle. So That's amazing. Yeah, he's one of my, one of my great friends. I love that. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, just having been doing this at that time, Obadelli was just on top of everything. People don't realize how dominant he was at that point in time at UTEP. But again, whether it's Blessing, whether it's uh, Toby, whether it's Obadelli, there have been so many incredible, incredible athletes. That's why I talk about how it is a who's who of alumni that has been here and has been. We've been fortunate enough to watch, uh, you know, grace us for not just UTEP but also, uh, you know, World Games, the Olympics, and, and and the NCAA's. It's been terrific. Yes, it has. I mean, and it's strange. So how how many relationships that that I have that are tied into UTEP? You know, my former coach was a UTEP here. Uh, UTEP coach Dan Paff Obadelli went here. My, I call him my brother friend, Milton Mallard, went here, and then he transferred to LSU and ran with me at LSU, okay. Will Porter. So there are so many parallels to, to relationships and people that I know that, that have come through this university. Uh, so it's a great thing. I had a lot of ties here. Lucina actually happened to be my college teammate at junior college. Uh, wow. And her husband, Davian, was my host when I was trying to find other schools when he was at the University of Miami. I went on a visit, and he was my host. So I ended up here just by happenstance because I called to tell them congratulations on their new job. And they were like, hey, we might recommend you for this job. And I'm like, what? And then that's how the process started, and I ended up being here. Incredible. Coach, I wanted to ask you, you I, I've noticed that you have some really good international coaching experience recently, coaching in Shanghai, uh, Shanghai China, in sprints uh, in the Philippines as well, and you even coached at the Tokyo Olympics. How can your international coaching uh, you know, experience help you out here at the college level? Um, it's a little different than what you go through at the college level, but the preparation is the same. Uh, the mindset is different. You know, those kids you have to uh, nurture into becoming Olympic-level athletes. Everyone is here for a reason because they have talent, but you have to nurture them into becoming those level of athletes, and it happens in the collegiate system. Uh, great international experience, great international experiences. Uh, I've traveled all over the world uh, just preparing for things such as Tokyo, so it's been a great, uh, a great ride. Now, as far as uh, getting connected with UTEP, how did you end up uh, finding yourself here on the coaching staff? Uh, like I said, through, you know, through David and Lucina, just a yeah. happenstance, you know, hey, guys, congratulations. You're leaving UTEP, going to, you know, Auburn. And it's like, yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm going to recommend you for the job. I, I wasn't looking at a coaching job at the time. I was completely out of coaching for the last year. Huh. Just taking a break away from, you know, everything that went with, the, you know, the Olympics and preparation during COVID and things of that nature. I wanted to take a step back because I had lived out of the country for over seven years. Uh, my life was just dedicated to the person that I made, you know, that I train getting to the Olympics. So I kind of took a step back. So I took about 10 months off and was just enjoying my life, catching back up with, you know, reconnecting with my son and my family and things of that nature. And so uh, it was something that kind of, you know, I was hesitant about, but at the same time it presented itself and, and it seemed like a great opportunity. So I ended up here. 
I want to wrap up with this, okay? And um, I, I'm curious about this answer, but I'm, I'm running out of time this hour. So if you can, let's come back. We'll finish up the hour with it because I want to okay. get your thoughts, all three of you actually, about the roster right now. I, I want to know a little bit about the talent pool at UTEP right now and what fans should expect uh, come uh, indoor and outdoor season here for 22-23. So right. we'll do that uh, with our, our members of the coaching staff as we continue. But first, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got uh, ABC7 News, Charlie One, and then wrap it up. Up with UTEP uh, track and field here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Coach Rowe, uh, Coach Bridget, and uh, can I, I'm just going to say Coach Christopher. I mean, I know they say he's the cross-country director of ops, please. He's a coach. Christopher's with us as well, so excited about that. Uh, all right, uh, let's get uh, the three of you to chime in on the team this year. Let's do cross-country and track and field. What to expect this season. Coach Rowe, since you were last with us last segment, we'll, we'll start with you right now. What uh, should we have a chance to expect uh, from this year's group? I mean, honestly, I see a lot of potential and a lot of great things uh, from the team coming up. Uh, I did a lot of research before I even got the job, and I was just amazed at the amount and level of talent that was on this team. You know, we have athletes that have been to the Olympics this past year. You know, we have athletes that have Olympic heritage. One of our athletes' sister is a multiple medalist at the Worlds and the Olympics uh, recently. Wow. Uh, so it's just it's some great talent on the team. And I, it, look, I look forward to some great things. Is it a veteran team, or do we have a lot of young, uh, young blood as well? As well? I mean, it's mixed with newcomers and uh, veteran athletes. Uh, a lot of them who are held over from, you know, the previous coaching staff, they decided to stay, which is great. Uh, it's, it's great for us. So hopefully we can develop them and, and make them into uh, the stars that I hope that they become. Well, you know what the nice thing is? The one, I'll say this, the, the one constant is Coach Meek and Coach Paul, right? Because right. as long as they've been here, uh, they've been able to kind of head the uh, head the, the two staffs and keep things together. And I think that, that says a lot about uh, loyalty with athletes and continuity. Yes, it does. I mean, you have to have continuity. You have to have buy-in if you're going to have a great program. A lot of people don't realize uh, UTEP is a historic program. You know, when you speak of, of legacies, you speak of teams like Notre Dame or mm-hmm. the old Dallas Cowboys or the old Steelers or from my hometown, you know, Houston Rockets, Tucson Rockets, let's go. How about uh, Houston Oilers? Let's go back a little farther Well, you there, know, we bro. can't talk about them because now they're Titans. That's so I'm a true. Titans fan, but at the same time, I'm still loyal. So, but when you speak of legacies, you know, you, you can't forget to speak about, you know, teams such as UTEP. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Assistant coach uh, Bridget Owens with us right now. All right, your turn to uh, continue where Coach uh, Rowe left off. You tell us about the uh, the team and, and what you've had a chance to see since you've been in town. Yeah, I think I have to agree. There's a lot of talent um, um, on the team right now. Uh, but I think one of the things that we're, we did lose a couple of people um, so I think our biggest thing that we've been kind of working on is just recruiting. Uh, we definitely have to recruit on the women's side, get the numbers up. Um, we we have a loaded uh, men's team, but we definitely probably get some for um, in two, 2023. Are you recruiting mostly from the States, or do you do a lot of international recruiting as well? No, we're trying to do everything, keep the legacy going. Um, we definitely have some out-of-state. Um, we definitely have some you know, Nigerian and Jamaicans. We have a lot of Caribbeans on our team, so we're trying to keep that legacy as well. But we're definitely recruiting within Texas as well, you know, because there's an opportunity for athletes, especially people who have, they have grants for Texas and things like that. So we're trying to give people an opportunity in that sense as well. Easier or tougher now, Bridget, to recruit from overseas with 
social media, the internet, and it's, to me, much more difficult now to find diamonds in the rough than it used to be because everybody knows about everybody these days. Absolutely. I mean, the internet is that you cannot miss, you cannot hide. You know, everyone knows about who's running fast, and as coaches, it's our job to do our research. But we do have connections um, overseas, so I think that we're in a good space right now. Good. I'm excited about it. Uh, Do we have a potential for some champions this year? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's our job to coach them up, and it's our job to bring some people in in January, so stay tuned. Awesome. All right, Christopher, I'll let you wrap it up since uh, we've heard from both uh, UTEP assistant coaches. Now it's your turn to come back and finish this uh, segment off with us. Uh, You tell me. You've been at New Mexico State. You've been around the area. Now you're here at UTEP. Uh, What are some of your impressions of just uh, the the overall uh, talent pool that the Miners have to offer? You know, I think there's a lot of great talent that's already here and, and uh, some emerging talent as well. And I'm excited about what our staff can do with them and uh, get them to maximize their potential and, and compete for championships. Uh, everyone's got a great attitude, uh, willing to work hard and, and embrace uh you know, both obviously the consistency through our staff that's been here with Coach Mika and Coach Paul and their successes that they've had, and then obviously with our new coaches with uh, Bridget and, and Roe and uh, just have that enthusiasm that, uh, you know, they're bringing in, and it's really exciting to see that. So, What's the secret? I mean, if you had to pin it down, and it's tough to ask you this question and not somebody like Coach Mika or Coach Paul because they've been here for so many years. So just coming in, seeing things here – and, and seeing all the success that UTEP has had over the years, what do you think is the, the secret to their success and why they've been able to continually put out so much talent across the board when it comes to uh, track and field and cross country? I mean, that's really a great question, but I think it's it's having knowledge and experience of working with student-athletes for such a long period of time, passion for their sport, and that consistency that they've been able to bring. I think that, that it kind of sometimes becomes a lost art in our in, in, in modern athletics and stuff that they've been here for a long period of time. They know what to expect. They've seen so much in the sport, and so they can give that knowledge and expertise to their student-athletes and in build into them and just have that consistency it also doesn't hurt when you walk into the you know the office and you see the the number of great athletes that has come before you that inspires you and I think that helps championships build on championships when you see that and you're working with staff that has helped to develop them and also their own personal successes as student athletes and professional athletes as well I would think that as a recruit comes to town and they go to the facilities and they see the presentation that awaits them when they walk in, their eyes get big. Because every athlete has the same dream. They want to win a national championship, run pro, and have a chance to run in the Olympics. And you come here, you see it all. You see Olympic champions, you see uh, and gold medalists, you see world champions, um, you know, NCAA champs, you see those national championship trophies. That's just got to go so much toward uh, making a big impression on a young student athlete when they come into El Paso. I would definitely think think so for sure. I mean, again, when you see success that's been there and, and, you know, that's what we want to do as athletes. We want to win. We ultimately want to win championships. So if you've seen those that have come before you do it, I think that, you know, that's like, wow, this is, this is kind of a place I want to be. I love it. All right. Excellent. Uh, Well said, really. Uh, Christopher, great to meet you. Bridget, same. I look forward to having you back on the show. Coach Rowe. 
Good to see you, and uh, I, I hope everything uh, works out for you and the other stuff we talked about during the break. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that goes down. Uh, terrific stuff, folks. Again, uh, this is the uh, newest members of the UTEP track and field and cross-country coaching staff uh, and uh, administrative staff as we continue, although it's, it's coaching. I, you know, it's just a title. It's just a title. That's all it is. Trust me. We've got three assistant coaches here. They're terrific, and they're going to be doing great work with the UTEP minors. That's for sure. All right, one hour in the books. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk a little uh, fantasy football. But before we do that, we will also get to talk to Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, find out which college and pro games he likes. So stay with us. All that and more, including Sports Center at the top of the hour with Adrian, comes up right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. The program. He is the one and only Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, who joins us uh, every week at this time for our uh, weekly chat. Lee, uh, happy Thursday. It's a football Thursday for you. How are you holding up? How's everything going? Miami game tomorrow night. So uh, excited uh, to be making that trip. Never seen a game in Kyle Field. Excited uh, to take it in, see if my... My Canes can pull off the upset. Oh, so you're traveling with Miami. Are you, are you right. on the charter, uh, Lee? No, Do you get the no. royal treatment when it comes to Miami football? No. Coach. Coach. Oh, coach. <laughs> but um, never know. Might get upgraded. I'm hoping to get upgraded to first class. Be I, nice. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, I would be I mean, just tell them, you know, exactly who you are, and hopefully that'll uh, that'll happen. That'll be good. Hey, by the way, how I mean, for a guy that played his college football uh, outside of Austin, how have you never had a chance to get to uh, College Station before? Well, I mean, I was in Austin, uh, and I was in <laughs> San Marcos. So <laughs> we used to have a saying um, – uh, about A&M, where, where men are men and girls are too. So if you had a girlfriend at A&M, you probably had her. She was kind of a holdover from high school. So oh if, you can't find a, if you can't find some pretty girls in, uh, at Texas State or the University of Texas, you're just not looking. Oh, that is true. That is very true. And, I, and I'm sure uh, – I, I don't even want to go sure there. there's but... some now. I'm yeah. sure there's some at A&M, but, uh, yeah. you know, just not, it was uh, – Not the same. It's not the same, no, right? Not the same. No, no, I understand. I, I understand that. All right, look, we've got um, three games in college, uh, two in the NFL. By the way, how nice is it to know that we were finally into the uh, start of the NFL season? What uh, what a crazy week it was, right? If you really think oh. about it, it was it was so unpredictable, and and so many good teams went down and and just didn't look good in the first week of the NFL season. Well, you know, everyone was talking about the great games last week, and and obviously Alabama and Texas was a great game, and lived up to the billing, but the upsets, the Sun Belt. I mean, Marshall going into Notre Dame and App State, not only beating Texas A&M, I mean, they they dominated the game. I they mean, I, I think Texas A&M only had something like 35 or 38 offensive plays, so just shows you how dominant that they were. No doubt about it. All right, let's get rolling. We'll start with the games this week, beginning with a game that's going to be taking place uh, in Austin at uh, DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. Maybe you could stick around long enough to watch this game Saturday night. UTSA 1-1 visiting the 1-1 Texas Longhorns. Um, I'm a little surprised that with the injury to Quinn Ewers uh, right now as it stands, Texas still a uh, an 11-point favorite over UTSA. That's even gone up since yesterday, Lee. Um, and I guess everybody's probably banking 
thing in Hudson Card being able to beat a team that, quite frankly, went right down to the wire uh, against Houston the very first week of the season. Well, you know, the UTSA generally does not play the same level of competition. And and probably every kid on UTSA, if they were offered a scholarship at Texas, would probably accept, let's be honest. But um, the quarterback, they might have the edge of quarterback. Frank Harris, this kid moves around, makes good decisions, run. I think he ran for over 600 yards last year and is accurate. Um, Hudson, I mean, in fact, Hudson Card came on. I think it helped him that it happened and he had no real time to think. Yeah. So – I think the fact that UTSA has uh, the full week to game plan them will help out. And I think there's going to be a letdown for Texas after uh, that, you know, near miss. So give them credit. They played extremely well. I didn't think they'd hold up at the line of scrimmage. But uh, I think UTSA here um, is going to slowly, methodically move the ball down the field, take their time. They're not going to try to get off 85, 90 plays. I think Texas wins this game 35-30, but I think UTSA covers. Oh, wow. All right. That's going to be a big start to our, uh, our our predictions. By the way, if Hudson Card can lead the offense to five scores, that's a good day for him. I mean, I know a lot of Texas X's that are not at all excited right now about Card taking over again as quarterback. they got no choice. They don't. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I think he's better than both, most backups. Okay. Is he a starter? No. Let's move on to the game you're going to be at. A&M in Miami, uh, again, at Kyle Field. Texas A&M, five-and-a-half-point favorites coming off the loss to Appalachian State. Miami is undefeated right now. Can Miami keep the dream alive, or will Texas A&M just take their frustrations out on, uh, on the hurricane? So, as a Miami fan, and if I'm looking at Miami's best path to win, I think it was if Texas A&M would have won last week. I mean, quite frankly, when I saw Notre Dame ranked at fifth and them ranked at sixth, thought both were overseeded. But it happens because they recruit. You know, they had a bunch of – I mean, almost every kid that plays for them on the defensive line is a five-star. They're young, though. And I thought that they should have gone with Max Johnson, a quarterback. I thought Haynes King was not the right guy. I mean, if he ran into problems, then you can bring in Max Johnson. I'm hearing that Max Johnson has taken half the snaps the last three days. And if that's the case, Haynes King is going to be on a short leash. I think what they're going to do is you're going to see Jimbo Fisher use a lot of motion, wants to allow Haynes King to be able to predetermine whether it's zone or or man-to-man. And then he might also use some hurry-up and try to get Miami where they have to play some base defense. And that might give King a better chance at success here. But – their backs are against the wall. I think you're going to see AM's best effort, and Miami's, I think, their best chance to win this game is to jump out on top. Get on top 7 nothing, 10 nothing. put the pressure on AM, make them start doubting themselves. But Miami's been a slow starter. Now, Mario Cristobal, last year against Ohio State, he came and he went for the jugular early and took that lead and never relinquished it. I just don't know if they can do it. They also will be without Miami Xavier Restrepo, the best receiver. He was deemed out today with a foot injury. So I think the fact that Texas A&M lost last week bodes really well uh, for their cause here. I think you're going to see their best effort. Uh, Miami's going to have to do something early and, and take a lead. Other than that, I think Miami still has too many weaknesses at linebacker in the cornerback position. I think it's going to be a good game, but I like Texas A&M 
Continuing with Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, third and final college game that we're going to talk about. The big one, UTEP, New Mexico, happening in Albuquerque. Uh, Miners coming off their first win of the season against the Aggies. New Mexico looking to get revenge on their 20-13 loss to UTEP last season. Miners by three up the road in Albuquerque. Lee, how do you see it? So, New Mexico, I mean, I just don't like to play calling on offense. I think they're a little too conservative. And they're just trying to to bide their time, let their defense uh, create some turnovers. Uh, maybe special teams can be the difference. But um, just think UTEP has too much. Whatever New Mexico can do, I think that UTEP can do it much better here. They have the advantage of quarterback, running back, uh, even receivers. So New Mexico just not able to attract top top end players and uh, just don't have difference makers on the offense or defense. So I think it might be tight for two, three quarters, but uh, I like UTEP. I think they win this game 30 to 14. Lee, let's move along. Cincinnati and Dallas. All right, NFL time. Um, Cowboys lose uh, their starting quarterback, and now it's back to Cooper Rush because they have no choice with Dak Prescott out. Cincinnati with a bad first-week loss, a lot of interceptions and turnovers by Joe Burrow. You know he's going to come back wanting to make a statement. Uh, The odds makers believe that the Cowboys without Dak Prescott are an absolute mess. They are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the Bengals. How do you see it? I think Dallas had some real problems. I, I thought they had some weaknesses, especially at receiver, um, without two of the top three receivers. But now all of a sudden, you watch Ezekiel Elliott. He is not the same guy. And then the offensive line, uh, they had trouble. And the biggest surprise to me was their defensive line. Tampa Bay, without four starters on the offensive line, pushed them around. I mean, Fournette had 121 rushing yards. I mean, are you kidding me? That can't happen. So this line started. As Dallas was a one-point favorite, now Cincinnati is a seven-point favorite. I mean, Cincinnati turned the ball over five times, four interceptions, and still had a chance to win the game here. Cooper Rush is not the answer here. Les Pollard has a huge game. They get a bunch of, you know, fluky plays and some turnovers. I think Cincinnati rolls here. I like him 28-17. All right. Cincinnati rolls and covers. That's for sure. Uh, final game that we're going to talk about is Vegas and Arizona. Both teams looking for their first win. Uh, at least Las Vegas was competitive last week. I can't say the same about the Cardinals. Uh, they just got destroyed by Kansas City. Thus, San, uh, Vegas at home, five-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against Arizona. Uh, is that about right when you look at these two teams as they get ready to square off here this weekend? So I thought the line was going to be three-and-a-half-four. It's a little higher than... I anticipate, but I think the odds makers realize Arizona has some real problems. Um, Vegas just was flat, you know, from not playing Derek Carr maybe enough in preseason. We saw that in four or five games here. But um, I think they'll put it together here. I watch this Arizona team, and their offensive line is weak. Uh, without, you know, Hopkins, their receivers aren't good enough. And then their defensive line getting no pressure. And maybe the biggest weakness – is their secondary. And I don't know who's going to guard Devontae Adams. I uh, think that even Waller looks like he's starting to get healthy. Late in the second half, he looked good. And Josh Jacobs, uh, he's finally healthy. He was hurt all last year with that toe injury. I think Vegas puts it all together here. They're begging you. They're begging you to play Arizona. Don't fall for the trap. 
Give me the Raiders here. I think they win this game easy, 34-17. All right, there it is. So that's our five games of the week with Lee Sterling. By the way, game of the week starts in about an hour. We'll talk about that right now. Not to mention, you've done it again. You've put a special on the website that if nobody has ever tried you before, it's the ultimate time to try. And if people uh, do know you, they know to jump on this, don't they? This is like uh, almost like Black Friday every year. Yeah, it is. And... uh I get more emails and, and calls and texts from people. When is the Baker's Dozen coming? Um, they love it because you don't have to sign up for the month. You don't have to sign up for the season. You can get 13 games. We went six and three last weekend. I only found nine games the entire weekend, but I found 13 games where I feel I have a strong edge. And we've had some 12 and one, some 11 and two, and some 10 and three Baker's Dozen packages. Get all 13 games. Just $97. You can build the bankroll. So you want to hop on board one place, ParamountSports.com. And even better, as soon as you purchase it, a window pops open with all 13 games. You don't have to call me back on Saturday morning or Sunday morning to find out what the games are. You're all ready to go. You can get the best lines now before they move. Um, Just one place, ParamountSports.com. And if you want to get that game tonight for free, love to start you off with a free winner. Just call 800 400 9741 give you the winner on the Kansas City and uh LA Charger game 800 400 9741 to get that free game or paramountsports.com take advantage of the baker's dozen build that bankroll so you can roll that into you know coming aboard for the month or the season or you know buy the UFC picks we have a 75 unit very rare 75 unit UFC selection going Saturday night or the baseball playoffs paramountsports.com have a great trip uh, back to Texas and uh, and Kyle Field. And, man, hope you enjoy the game tonight. That should be a blast with those two teams, especially the way the Chargers are shaping up this season and what we saw with uh, Pat Mahomes. And not missing Tyreek Hill at all, that's for sure. No, thanks so much, Steve. You have a great weekend, okay? All right, you too. There we go, ParamountSports.com, as we continue here on the program. All right, always enjoy Lee Sterling. Hey, when we come back, Jeff Erickson, get your fantasy football questions to us now. We'll ask those to Jeff as we send it over to Charlie One in this traffic update. As we continue. Oh, we got Jeff Erickson standing by in a little bit to talk a little fantasy sports. I'm excited about that. Hey, a lot of you, um, you know, some of you might be heading out to Albuquerque this weekend to watch the Miners play, but if you're staying home and you're going to watch the game on the Mountain West Network or listen to it on 600, actually on uh, 95.5 KLAQ, we'll have the game. I got to tell you, there is a great place you can go to get all of your tantalizing tailgating treats for this UTEP watch party. Yep, I'm talking about specs, wines, spirits, and finer foods. They got everything, especially if you're trying to step up your cocktail game uh, or even get insider information on seasonal releases. How about ordering online for same-day delivery? Specs does that as well. And Adrian, I know there's going to be a lot of UTEP watch parties out there. They could definitely uh, enjoy a trip to Specs. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, there's a Specs located right next to UTEP Specs El Paso at 2525 North Mesa Street, right next to the the campus. And did you know that Specs is a four-time national retailer of the year, Steve? No, I didn't, and it's good to know. And again, it's with. 
people like that that you can trust to get everything you need for all of your uh, tailgating needs, especially for the Miners and the NFL this weekend. Just go online, specsonline.com. With that, we jump out to the phones. We say hello to Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. No matter what it is, fantasy football, fantasy uh, baseball, uh, fantasy college football, basketball, golf, everything you could possibly think of. I know I'm missing about seven or eight sports, aren't I? Yeah, we do it all, Steve. Uh, and uh, it's, I may not personally do it all, but uh, we got someone. We are now a tennis company. That's what we always joke about because uh, our tennis articles, for whatever reason, get a ton of traction. Maybe there's not too many people doing it. Well, that's good. I'm happy you got fantasy tennis. That's, that's, that's nice. And by the way, uh, thoughts on one of the all-time greats uh, calling it a career today, Roger Federer? You know, it's interesting. I, I, he, he waited till after the Open to announce it so as to not take, uh, take away from uh, – Serena's spotlight there. Uh, but, yeah, one of the goats. Uh, it just ha- happened to be in an era where you had two others at the same time. Wild to see we had three titans on, in the same sport at the same time. But uh, all class, uh, what a great player. Uh, wish him the best in his retirement. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, uh, we got a lot to cover on the show today. Let's begin, I think, with some fantasy baseball, and then we'll devote the rest of the segment to football because uh, we only have a couple of weeks left uh, in the season. A lot of leagues, like the ones I'm in, they're in the playoffs right now. This is it's playoff time for fantasy baseball. Yep. And, and some leagues are even coming to an end in the next week or so. Yeah, I, I had some uh, readers that said that they finished up last week, and you know, I wonder if that's kind of purposeful to kind of fold it in at the same time the NFL starts. Uh, maybe just so, you know, they, they move on, I guess. Um, I, you know, I don't play in any head-to-head leagues right now, um, so I, I have all my leagues still going, uh, which is the way I prefer it. I like to go, all, except for the league where I'm hanging out for dear life in first place. I, that one could end right now. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, it, it's, I like every game matters. It's a great time to make hay. I mean, I... Probably against me more than in my favor, but you know you got to pay attention to everything going on, all the call-ups, all the kids getting chances there. Uh, you can you can still gain ground these last few weeks. Yep. As far as some of the kids getting chances, how about Josh Young getting his uh, opportunity now with Texas? Yeah, uh, he he looks at the part. Uh, had a great little uh, doubleheader against the uh, Marlins the other day. Uh, you know, he's someone that had his career delayed by the injury this spring, and you know, it took him a while to kind of uh, make it way back. But you know, there's some thought that he was going to be shut down for the season. So I'm glad he's getting a look here in September. Uh, he's a guy to kind of file away for next year. Yeah, you're right about that. And by the way, one of your own is finally getting healthy and starting to spin the ball a little bit, and that's uh, Nick Ladola, who was a prize prospect uh, from Cincinnati. Yeah, tons of strikeouts the last three uh, starts, and he's cut off the walks, which. That to me is the thing that's really interesting. Uh, that you know, he, earlier in the season he was a little wild, but now he's kind of figured that out a little bit. He, he's he's fun. He's fun, and it's the one good thing to emerge from this season for the Reds. How about a Hunter Brown coming up from the Astros after dominating AAA, and all he's done is look terrific. His first two big league starts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he has looked great. Now the question for me is, what do the Astros do with him? Is he going to be one of those guys that just comes in in the fourth inning and shuts things down for three or four innings? If there's a starter that's not great, will they have a quicker trigger on trying to get uh, if, if someone's struggling a little bit there? That's a good question. I don't know because their their staff is loaded. That's the problem right now with a team like Houston. You don't know what they're going to do because uh, they're so talented across the board. And I agree with you on that one. 
So yeah, they did. They they really are. Tell me this: as great as Aaron Judge has been the last three weeks or so, and all year for that matter, is there anybody mm-hmm. in fantasy that's been hotter than Bo Bichette? Uh, no, he he's right up there. I mean, he's probably yeah. The the one thing that he hasn't quite done is run like he has la- like he did last year. And we actually spent some time on our podcast this week talking about that. Is is he going to be someone that really benefits next year from? You know, just having a little extra time with only two throws to first base allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, third time, you have to get him if you throw over there is in the bigger bases. Is he going to be someone that sees his stolen bases spike? Uh, he might uh, because he, he's that's the one thing. He's went from 25 to 9. Uh, he went 25 out of 26 last year, 9 of 17 so far this year. Tell me about Jake McCarthy. Speaking of stolen bases, he's got eight swipes in his last three weeks. He's also batting over 350, uh, 18 RBIs. Seems like Jake McCarthy is a name that nobody really knew much about, and he's been on fantasy fire recently. He has. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is he's one of those guys that I missed out on in most of my leagues. Uh, and I, I, I'm a little frustrated because I could have really used him. Uh, you know, it was getting exactly the amount of time that we needed, uh, getting the playing time. And, you know, he's doing power. He's getting providing power and speed. I got to say, even the, uh, you know, the, the entire Arizona offense right now is fun. Dalton Varsho is doing his thing. Uh, they've called up Corbin Carroll. They've, you know, they called up Alec Thomas. This is a fun lineup, and they're kind of like the fly in the ointment for uh, contending teams when they have to face them. As great as Jake DeGrom has been since he's been healthy for the Mets, Lance Lynn has been even better since he struck, uh, just shook off that early season rust, essentially going through his spring training during the season, getting shelled. And man, as he's rounded into form, what a great time to, uh, to be a White Sox fan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he really has uh, rounded into form. I, I'm, I actually gave up a little too soon on him in one league, traded him for pocket lint, basically. Uh, regret that one there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he's someone that has been a big big aspect of this team going forward. Uh, and, you know, making giving the White Sox a chance in this AL Central. I mean, they, they can't win the wild card. Uh, they really need the starting pitching to kick into place there. You know that they're going to get good work out of Dylan Cease. Lynn being another guy there, it's been someone that's reliable. That, that, that's been big because, you know, Giolito, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Same with Kopech. Are you buying uh, Bailey Falter, who's been uh, terrific for Philadelphia in the rotation with uh, Zach Wheeler out? Um, yeah, I tried to get him in a couple of leagues. Uh, the, the Phillies have had a nice little schedule. I think he's kind of schedule dependent. Uh, but, you know, he, he's had some nice – he got a win this week. He's getting some Ks. Yeah, he's been a nice little ad for people who took the chance on him. Kyle Bradish is another one, you know, former New Mexico State pitcher who really got rocked around a little bit when he got his first taste of the big leagues. But he's been awfully good his last four starts. He sure has. Um, yeah, good. All sorts of good stuff from him. Uh, and, you know, he, you know, he's following that path where he struggled initially and then come on strong with a little bit more uh, – more exposure. I, I, you love seeing pitchers that, that do that. And you, you're pitching in that, in that ballpark. I think that's really being uh, a really underrated thing in terms of developing young pitchers is that they can trust their stuff uh, and the ballpark will help them get some out. Uh, and that, that's definitely been the case. And, you know, for the longest time, I think these teams that have, have pit, have, that play in like hitter friendly ballparks really have a hard time developing young pitchers, whereas the Rockies, you know, the Rangers in their old ballpark, 
uh, well, the Orioles in the previous iteration of Camden Yards. Uh, I, I think they've really struggled to develop young pitching, and I think a lot of that is ballpark related because then they get away from what's their good, you know, their, their best stuff. They don't trust it. They don't pitch in the zone. They try to nibble instead, and they fall way behind. We'll talk more uh, fantasy sports with uh, Jeff Erickson, including fantasy football next. If you've got a fantasy football question, who to start, who to sit, send it to us now, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, as we send it back to Adrian for the latest. Be interesting when uh, we see the Chiefs and Chargers hook up. By the way, uh, Pat Mahomes looked amazing in the first week of the season, uh, and yet you've got Josh Allen against Tennessee ahead of him as opposed to the matchup tonight against the Chargers. Well, Josh Allen looked amazing, and he did against the Rams. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, which is a lot harder than doing against the Cardinals missing a starting corner and not having J.J. Watt. Mm. I mean, I, I think that's a big, big difference there. So, yep. uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's going to be tough against the Chargers. They added Khalil Mack. They, they were in the backfield putting a lot of pressure on Derek Carr all game. It's all about this Chiefs offensive line. If they give Mahomes time, then yeah. And the Chargers also are going to get J.C. Jackson back. They are missing him in week one. That that allowed Devontae Adams to get open a few times and, and hurt them. I think now uh, the, the, the big free agent signing they got in the, for, the, uh, for the corner, I think that's going to matter a lot. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, Chargers typically play pretty well in Arrowhead, too. They a little do. underrated thing there. So they're they're not intimidated by the crowd. They're not intim- they they've won there on primetime games in the past. Sunday night, Thursday night games in the past. Um they're, this moment won't be too big for them. Well, you've got they Patrick in, in Arrowhead you know, last year too. You've got Mahomes second and Herbert fourth. Uh, so those are two great great rankings heading into uh, tonight's matchup. Yeah, sure. I I I'm optimistic about both. Uh, meanwhile, you're also pretty uh, optimistic about Saquon Barkley after his explosion last week against Tennessee. You've got him number two overall in your running back rankings for your value meter. Yeah, he looks he looked great. Um, and they're they're being creative and finding ways to get him the ball too, which I like. I mean, you got a competent head coach and the offensive coordinator. That's a step up from last year. That's very true. Uh, meanwhile. If you watched week one of the NFL, how much did some of those games and end results change some of your fantasy values heading into week two? Um, you know, watching the Cowboys, I'm obviously concerned about uh, the offensive line. I'm concerned about CeeDee Lamb having help. Uh, so, you know, I think he's facing a lot of tight coverage, on, especially anything underneath and over the middle. You know, he's going to be bracketed a lot. Um, I, I think that it changed things a lot for him. Devontae Smith, I, I had to downgrade some. He's just not getting the targets. And I can see why. A.J. Brown looks phenomenal. Uh, if he's open a lot, it's kind of like with uh, the Raiders and uh, Devontae Adams. He's getting open a lot. You, you feed him the targets. He's, you know, I, Renfro suffered because of that some. Uh, you know, obviously Cam Akers is a guy that really has to take a, a dive in my rankings because – Hey, you know, he's lost the confidence of the coaching staff. He, he, I think Daryl Henderson played 82% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even with Kieran Williams out, Henderson's a start now and Akers is a sit. That's very true. Uh, meanwhile, I'm looking at guys like you mentioned the injury to, uh, you know, what, what happened really uh, to the Cowboys and their situation with Prescott out. CeeDee Lamb did not do much even when he was healthy prior to the end of that game. And now you wonder, will CeeDee Lamb be able to start putting up some decent fantasy numbers or is he going to become a fantasy bust if Cooper Rush isn't the, isn't the answer? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, 
You know, and I, I, you know, the one thing is he started one. You know, Cooper Rush started a game last year. CD Lamb went off in that game, 122 yards against Minnesota. So, yeah, kind of like how DK Metcalf was more productive with Geno last year than he was in the games after uh, Russell Wilson came back. And I think that you might have that dynamic here uh, with, with the Cowboys. I think Cooper Rush is going to go early and often to CD Lamb, and he, he's probably going to force it in. Uh, I mean, Lamb got 11 targets last week, so they're going to keep working it. They're going to keep getting him the ball, get, attempting to get him the ball. It just didn't work out pretty well, very well last week. No, I agree with you on that one. Uh, meanwhile, there's other guys that you expected big things from. I mean, Darnell Mooney had an amazing year last year with uh, Chicago. He caught one pass for 18 yards. Now, granted, it was raining all game long, and they didn't throw the ball very much, but you got to figure mm-hmm. that if they fall behind versus the Packers, uh, Mooney's going to have a chance to have much more of an impact uh, come Sunday night. Yeah, uh, it's gonna find he's gonna find it tough sledding though, especially if Jair Alexander shadows him. I think that is a definite concern. But yeah, he, he should uh, be far better. Not playing in a monsoon will help. Yeah, I agree. But you've got him thirty-one on your receiver rankings, and uh, in case you're wondering, mm-hmm. top five folks: Justin Jefferson, who was terrific uh, against Green Bay last week; Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Devonte Adams. AJ Brown is sixth. He had a terrific debut for Philadelphia last week against Detroit. He he looked apart. He looks. If we're drafting again today, he goes late first round, beginning second. Oh, I agree with you completely. I, I mean, that's the the key is though. Will Devonta Smith do anything, or is it going to be just a one man show with Brown all year? Uh, I think Smith will be better, but I mean, he's definitely taking this. You know, uh, as defenses learn to try to find ways to stop Brown, I and mean, you know, Devonta Smith's going to find going to have single coverage, and mm-hmm. he'll be able to take care of that a little. You know, be able to beat that. He's a really good route runner. Uh, it was wa- weird watching that game. Uh, that you know, he had four targets. Smith did. There's a pair like back-to-back plays in the first half and back-to-back plays in the second half. He dropped the first ball he came that came his way. That didn't help. And then otherwise, he's just been you know he, you know it was the Brown show. Plus, Philly likes to run the ball a lot. So you you know you're getting a declining target share on a team that doesn't have a ton of targets. You definitely have to downgrade him just a little bit. Speaking of uh, guys that uh, you know have some question marks, how about some running backs with some injury concerns? DeAndre Smith being one, Leonard Fournette being a second, and uh, Najee Harris being the third. And I guess we can also talk about Alvin Kamara as well. Oh, absolutely. Kamara I'm more worried about than Swift. In fact, Swift, uh, you know, he – he assured people that he'll be fine. He assured reporters yesterday, today, after missing practice today that he'll be fine. He also uh, he played through it last week, so I'm more more uh, optimistic about him. Kamara was definitely limited in that game last week, and he sat out practice today, so I'm I'm concerned. Uh, you know, Fournette. I, you know, everybody on Tampa, almost every single skill position player is has banged up. At least Fournette was limited, uh, whereas Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Uh, Julio Jones all sat out practice today. Uh, Brashad Perriman was limited. I mean, th- this is a team that's just loaded with injuries right now. Really the case. That's 100% right. Uh, again, you want to learn more about the value meter, it's up at uh, rotowire.com. How about some of the other articles you want to uh, at least uh, highlight and uh, focus for our listeners this week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got an Exploiting the Matchups article uh, written by uh, Jerry, Don- Jerry Donabedian. Uh, who just does yeoman's work in season. He does a, a backfield breakdown article, a, wide res- a target article, uh, lots of good stuff for him. We have a deep dive waiver wire article you can check out uh, if you want to kind of get a head start on some of the uh, 
waiver wires decisions, maybe even for next week. Uh, guys that aren't obvious like Jeff Wilson or uh, Curtis Samuel this week, you start looking at next week's uh, free agents today. Uh, if you are looking from a survivor standpoint or a gaming standpoint, we got you covered a lot of different directions. Got a free trial. You guys can check it out, rotowire.com slash free. Awesome stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, as we continue here, 20 in front of six right now on Sports Talk. When we come back, wrapping up hour number two, and hey, straight ahead, we'll get you ready for uh, Chihuahua's baseball coming up uh, 6.30 with Tim Haggerty. He'll join us during our final countdown right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk, 5.49 now the time. You want to weigh in, 505-6009. That is our telephone number, 505 505- Six zero zero nine. So easy to get into the show. And as you might imagine, we always have some uh, great topics to talk about. Uh, and, and also, we try to be informative here on Sports Talk. We try to give you things that you know will help you with your lifestyle, no matter what you do. And I love the new physical athletics fitness tip of the day. That Adrian has been able to provide us. What's our daily tip, Adrian? Steve, this one is pretty fun, uh, and I did. I kept this one in mind earlier today. So I was out there, physical athletics, five in the morning, five a.m. group workout. Yeah, I'm I'm a little tired. I'll be honest. With I you, don't Steve. blame you. I'm a little sore as well. But this is the tip for today: never skip your warm up. When you warm up properly, you can prepare your body for your workout, and you can also help prevent any kind of injuries. With physical athletics, you get three big things. Number one, you get access to a trainer and analytics to help members progress and manage their load throughout a workout. Number two, you get recovery programs at physical athletics to help get right before a game or just feeling great after a hard workout. And number three. You get access to a free screening from a physical therapist. If you have any pain or issues that you've been experiencing, Physical Athletics is now accepting new people in their group training process. They've got athletes eight years old all the way up to the professional level, and they've got adults from 20 years old all the way up to 80 years old of age for beginners or intermediate levels. It's never too late to start your fitness journey. You can start it with Physical Athletics. They've got two locations at Joe Battle and Eastlake. You can get a free one-week trial. Mention Sports Talk and see what they're about. You can call or text 915-996-4476. That's 915-996-4476 to get started with Physical Athletics. Terrific. As we uh, keep things moving here on the show and wind down hour number two of three uh, on the show. I mean, you tell me, we're going to have... We are going to have great games all season long in football. But don't you almost feel like Chiefs and Chargers is just one you can't wait to see until they kick off here in in less than an hour? Yeah, this is also one that I can't believe is on Amazon Prime Video, right? Because uh, half the the world is not going to miss this game unless they're subscribed to Amazon Prime or video and stuff like that. And, you know, you get to see Al Michaels on the call. You get to hear Kirk Herbstreet join uh, join with him. You also get to hear guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Richard Sherman, and uh, somebody like Andy. Andrew Whitworth, all recently retired from the NFL. They're all going to be on the pregame show and kind of like the studio hosts throughout this game. What's Fitzmagic looking like these days? Oh. Is the beard just glorious right now? So me and Zay are watching the pregame show right now. 
Number one, the beard is amazing. Number two, his suit. Remember all the all the great outfits he'd come out with? Oh yeah, he's already in a in a fabulous suit, Steve. Is he really? Yes, he's uh, he's got a lot of swag to him. Uh, Fitz Magic is is great in the booth. He's oh. going to be an awesome media member to to follow this season. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. All right, I am uh, I'm turning on the start of uh, Chargers Chiefs broadcast right now just to see if I can enjoy some of the things that uh, will be happening when they uh, you know when I get to watch it live because I guess they they went live less than an hour ago so they probably went live at five uh, when this thing started they're doing right now some kind of uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, spotlight and I can't wait to see when they go back and and, and see what Fitzmagic looks like. Okay, That's phenomenal. He's already. I, I just confirmed this, Steve. He has already had two outfit changes. Number one, he's got a blazer. Number two, he's got this like Hawaiian shirt. It's like an Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt. So uh, Fitzmagic is bringing it all tonight. Oh, that's phenomenal. Good for him. I think he's gonna have. He's gonna have a lot of fun. He seems like a guy that just doesn't take himself too seriously, but he's also brilliant because he went to the he went to Ivy League. So you know, I mean, when you're a Harvard grad, that tells you something. Yeah, seriously, and he's never had to work a day in his life yep. with his Harvard degree. But uh, he's somebody who is brilliant. He has he knows the sport left and right. He has been around various locker rooms, various franchises throughout his career. So he knows what he's talking about when he joins these broadcasts. I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, good stuff. Um, do you have a lot of fantasy guys going tonight? No, actually, and that's probably why I lost in week one in most of my leagues, Steve. But I don't have high-power offensive players like the Chargers or Chiefs players. What about you? Do you have anybody playing tonight? Well, I have Sky Moore, but I don't think I'm playing them. I think I'm afraid because they're so loaded. There's so many weapons on that Kansas City team right now. I don't even think they need Sky Moore at this point. Yeah, I don't think they do either. I mean, he had like uh, under three points last week, just caught a pass for 11 yards. But uh, I think he's going to be somebody who learns throughout the season season kind of progresses I think he could kind of have a season like Hollywood Brown had in year one with the Ravens where he started off a little slow he was still learning the speed to the NFL and then once he had more steam under his belt he, he just really took off so I could see Sky Moore being a guy that you keep for later on in the fantasy season I could see that too I agree with you all right two hours in the books when we come back Dallas Cowboys update with Christy Scales and then final 30 minutes getting you ready for Chihuahuas baseball that's all coming up right here it's 600 ESPN El Paso here on Sports Talk, final hour of the show. Final 30 minutes of the show. All right, I had a chance to uh, check out the Amazon pregame show. That studio uh, that studio pregame is awesome. By the way, they stuck Fitzpatrick right in the middle of the set. And that beard is just, it's just vintage. He grew it out specifically for this, you could tell. Yeah, I was listening to a pregame interview with him, like on a podcast leading into this, and Fitzpatrick said, you know, he doesn't do as much film study as somebody like Richard Sherman. Sherman will be kind of like locked him, lock himself in and just watch film of Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert left and right. But there's no one who's going to be more polarizing on this broadcast than Ryan Fitzpatrick because of the beard, because of the outfit, because of everything he brings to the broadcast. My goodness. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's pretty. You know, it, it's it's a. Um, let's put it this way, it's like if you could build a team and you wanted to put every type of personality there is in this one team, that's what Amazon's done essentially for the pregame show. 
you got the leader in Andrew Whitworth. He's like the kind of grandfather, old brother kind of guy who's going to look down on his younger brothers. You got the Hall of Famer, so you got all the all the swagger that you need from Tony Gonzalez. Then you got a little bit of moxie and a lot of confidence from uh, Richard Sherman, and then you just get everything else from Ryan Fitzpatrick. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything from Fitzpatrick right there. Of the guys that are on the set, who do you think is going to become the, I want to say the star of the show, but who do you think is going to be the guy that just like sticks out, like shines among all of them? Do you think it's going to be, do you think it's going to be Fitzpatrick? Do you think it's going to be possibly Richard Sherman? Where do you go on this? Because you know as well as I do, one thing I'll say about Richard Sherman, he's always strived to be the best he could be at everything he does. So the fact that he's going to take things seriously enough with his film study analysis and all that, I'm really interested to see what Sherman brings to the table. You know when you always go on Twitter and you see like a Pat McAfee cutout tweet of him saying a hot take? I think that's going to be Richard Sherman's role where he's like the hot take guy at halftime and he's saying how Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP front runner after this, uh, after this game or something like that. Yeah. I could see Richard Sherman being that kind of guy. Um, as far as somebody who I think is really going to shine in this broadcast, I'll go a different direction. I'll say Kirk Herbstreit because okay. he's so amazing in college football, like, you know, describing different things. Him joining Al Michaels, I think it's going to be a, a nice refresher in the booth to Al. And uh, not hearing Collinsworth with Al is going to be very interesting as well. So do you kind of see Sherman being like Rodney Harrison, that kind of yeah, that kind of role? That's a great description. I could see him doing that. I could see him. He, he's going to be kind of like the, the Stephen A., the Skip Bayless. He's going to, he's going to say a lot of things and hope a couple things stick you know he's going to say some hot takes left and right he'll be calculated with his his takes as well kind of like Rodney Harrison uh, but he'll he'll let a couple fly here and there I'm looking forward to it and again I think tonight's going to be a very very important game for both teams I mean they're both 1-0 coming into this one and the fact is you're right it is an interesting gamble that Prime Video is carrying this game but it's only on Prime and nowhere else how do sports bars pick this game up? Great question. I, they've got to have like a Roku or like a Amazon Fire Stick. But or is it legal? Like because you know as well as I do that even though uh, the owner of a bar could subscribe purpose, uh, personally to Amazon, you're not supposed to take that feed right. that you pay whatever 120 bucks a year for and blast it out for a sports bar all year. So how do they do it? Yeah, then they might not be able to, Steve. That, or they uh, pay a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. If you try to get an Amazon Thursday night licensing or something. Along those lines, uh, but I, I would doubt that a lot of the traditional places will have this one. Unfortunately, tonight this will be kind of that unconventional week where people first, you know, they're either getting the Amazon. Prime uh, trial or, or subscription tonight for the first time ever and trying to watch this game. Uh, I just feel like it's go- going to be uh, hard to access for a lot of people. I'm with you on that one. I'm totally with you. But anyway, that's what's coming up, and uh, we're excited because it starts in less than 10 minutes. Game kicks off at 6.15, but we've got Chihuahuas. And by the way, Hags will join us coming up in a little bit uh, during our final countdown because it's the Chihuahuas. But before we get to Tim and we get to talk a little bit with him about what's going on, I want to bring you Tip Zay back to the show because Zay has an article today that's up on the website right now. The UTEP defense has to prove itself against New Mexico. Zay, let's talk about this story you wrote today and and why you believe the UTEP defense more than the UTEP offense really needs to prove itself against the Lobos. Well, in my opinion, you know, coming into the season, we all we all thought the UTEP defense was going to come out and be one of the best groups in conference USA, and yep. it just it hasn't looked like that so far. So. I think they have an opportunity against New Mexico. They have a really bad offense, you know, so it, it, 
they don't get things going now, it could it could be rough with the offense not performing as well either. Now, uh, let's go back to defense for a second. I mean, the one thing you want to see more than anything, because I'm, I'm looking at the story you wrote, um, do you want to see the defense getting sacks? Is that the idea? And the defensive line starting to live up to the reputation that they had heading into this year? Yeah, I do want to see that. I mean, when you have, in my opinion, you have NFL talent on that line. Keenan Stewart, Praise Amehule, Jadrian Taylor, Kellen Moss, they're all you know, very good players, and they just haven't performed. They haven't got much pressures. They haven't stopped the run good. I mean, maybe that's not all on them, but they're they're part of that, and they just haven't performed as well as we thought we, they, they would. I'm with you on that one. By the way, if there's one, I mean, uh, let's just say Achilles heel to UTEP's defense, Zay, I would say it's the fact that the Miners have allowed teams to run the ball against them at will this year, which is much more surprising than anything that uh, we thought going into the year. Yeah, I mean, it's been bad in, in the run game. They've struggled a lot stopping the run game, so that's a big thing. You know, obviously the linebackers, you know, they've they've been through a lot, injuries, you know, everything. But um, they played they played okay. Tyrese Knight has struggled at times, but the talent is there. We've all seen it, so hopefully they can you can play up to what we expect them to play. Adrian, give me your thoughts on this particular situation uh, involving Zay's story and specifically on the UTEP defense, which he wrote about up at 600ESPNElPaso.com, and, and really the one area that you think uh, UTEP's been lacking the most on the defensive side. You know, I feel like UTEP is so reliant on their defense, and they need to be, right? Because I, I think you can't rely on the offense to score at all, and that's just the bottom line. For this defense, I like one of the, the points that Zay made is continue to force turnovers Last week, they did a nice job against New Mexico State. They put the offense in a good place by creating that those couple turnovers that they did. Uh, maybe get an interception. Have the secondary step up a little bit more. We saw what a newcomer, Elijah Johnson, I shouldn't call him a newcomer, but yeah. he's a new new starter on this team, a fresh starter. I saw what he did uh, against the Aggies last week, and he could be kind of that game changer in the secondary. And maybe you get Kobe Hilton, who's been so good stopping oh, the run. He's my favorite of all the yeah. new guys on defense this year in the defensive backfield, I think Kobe Hilton's got a chance to be a star before he finishes his career off of UTEP. Yeah, because he's so lengthy. He he has size to him and that's what you need in that secondary when you have undersized guys like Tyreek James, who's good. Tyson Wilson, who is good. But when you have a guy like Kobe Hilton who's played at the Division I level at the University of Louisiana, that's what you need right there in the secondary. You need a veteran right there. Uh, For Josiah Allen, we don't call his name a lot, Steve simply because he's been good at the corner spot. I think the one position I want to see them improve a little bit more on is uh, their nickel corner spot with Dennis Barnes. He's allowed a couple big plays, but that's because he guards the, usually guards the other team's best player. I think the hard part with Barnes is, and I've seen this from him at times this year, he gets frustrated because he needs help out there. Sometimes I feel like Barnes is being tasked to do everything in the defensive backfield, and you can't do that with a guy like that. Yeah, and I get it because he's got versatility. He's played corner. He's played safety, and now he's playing that nickel. So he has the hybrid role right there for the minors. But if he's going one-on-one with the player and a wide receiver beats him on one play and a defense takes him out on that, I don't really fault Barnes because I'm like, I'm with you on that because – He's asked to do so much in the secondary, and when you have these newcomers coming into the system, the coaches want to put the, their most experienced guy on him. So without guys like Justin Prince right now, it's going to be Dennis Barnes who's going to need to step up for this UTEP defense. Meanwhile, uh, Cal Wallerstead is listed at 5'11". 
that's probably generous. Uh, but at the same time, no matter what's, no matter you know how tall he is, Cal Wallerstedt's been playing like he's six four so far to start the year. I think the one knock you could have on Cal Wallerstedt is his pass defense. But other than that. Can you fault him for trying so hard? Because that's all he does. When he's on the field, this man tries uh, harder than almost any defensive player I'm watching on on this UTEP defense. And that says a lot because, he, again, he doesn't have the talent. He came into this season, like Zay wrote today, as the fourth-string linebacker for yeah. UTEP, and he finds his way into a starting role. It's very true. Hey, Zay, I love Maurice West, Mess, uh, Westmoreland. He's just a sophomore, 6'2", 250. He's been making plays all season. Give me your thoughts on Westmoreland and what, where you see him going this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been amazing. You know, he's he's so versatile. You can He can rush the passer. He can stop the run. He can drop back into coverage, which is crazy. I mean, he's athletic. He can do so much for this team, and it just provides more depth at the defensive line that's already stacked, in my opinion. Now, you said something really interesting in your article, too. You talked about getting off the field if you're UTEP's defense. You know, we knew that in the fourth quarter against the Aggies, they were on the field for more than 13 of the 15 minutes. Part of that was because the UTEP offense just couldn't get anything going, but the other part was that the defense just had a really hard time stopping New Mexico State, especially on third down. Yeah, um, New Mexico State, you know, in their final two drives, they went four for six on third down conversions and two for two on fourth down conversions. So, um, yeah, and it's not like the third down conversions were third and two, third and three. These were these were big pass plays that the Miners gave up on third down, which really hurt them. So you wrote about the defense. I wrote about how the New Mexico game's outcome Saturday could determine the rest of the season. And what I mean by that, Zay, is this. If UTEP wins, they're 2-2, two and two, they're riding the momentum against Boise and have a chance to, to try to get a little revenge uh, on a Friday night in the Sun Bowl. If they lose this game Saturday, they're 1-3. and three. They're going to have a tougher time against Boise because now they're reeling. Uh, they could be 1-4 and four heading into their final seven games. And ultimately, if that happens... All the fans that were on the bandwagon are going to be hopping off again. You agree that this New Mexico State, New Mexico game on uh, Saturday could easily determine uh, if this is a bowl team or not? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a bowl team, you have to beat New Mexico. I mean, they're a team that UTEP, you know, they beat them last year and everything. I mean, you have to beat them not just because you want to get to a bowl. You want momentum. You don't want to end up 1-4 and four going into conference play. I mean, that's just not ideal. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Good start, guys, to the hour. When we come back, Tim Haggerty, he's the voice of Chihuahua's baseball. Give us the lowdown. He'll set the table for tonight's game. But first, let's go to Charlie Wan and get this traffic update.